0: Welcome to episode two of The Hezzy, brought to you by BasketballGods.net. February 9th, let's talk about LaMelo Ball. I tweeted out, yo, when they have fans back in Charlotte, a little gif of LeVar walking like with his chest all out, right? Like, boy, Lavar, when he gets back out in the public, and I hope he falls back, I hope he lets... LaMelo, just have his shine on his own. He doesn't do too much. I think he's learned a little bit from the Lonzo experience, right? But boy, is he going to flex, right? Because if LaMelo is going to be this good, if he's going to immediately be an elite guard, whew. this Charlotte team, I talked about how fun they are, right? They have the sauce. They are, they are a top watch around the league right now, believe it or not. The Charlotte Hornets beat the Houston Rockets last night, ran them off the floor late. It was, it was competitive for most of the game. They, they blew it open late. And LaMelo Ball had 24-10-7 and seven, and hit seven threes. Now, I'm on record, but I'm not a believer in him as a shooter. He's got a lot of thumb action off ball. He, has, he flicks it with that thumb on the offhand. And then the legs are very noticeable, right? The leaning, the tilting, the little bit of kick. But, you know, watching him last night, it's like it's almost as if his confidence and his rhythm trump his mechanics. Now, I will say, I think that he has cleaned up his mechanics as far as the elevation. He, he's he, It's more of a, a set shot than a jump shot. And that's when it seems to be going down. And look, we we've got to see we've got to see a bigger sample size of him shooting the three to determine that but i mean if he's going to be a prolific three-point shooter to go along with that size and vision and uh, creativity to handle then yeah man he's going to be an elite guard and it's crazy to see you know i think there's there's several interesting things going on with lamelo because you can tell when he interacts with opponents around the league that they feel like they already know him Right. They're like, I remember this kid on YouTube when he when he was just a little snot nose pumping up half court shots. Right. I think even even his opponents have kind of followed his career. And so what you're seeing is he's being received much differently than Lonzo was. If you remember, Lonzo came in with a big target on his chest, on his back, if you will, coming out of UCLA. And and, and LeVar was responsible for a lot of that, talking this and talking that. Right. And guys were going at Lonzo's neck. Beverly, I remember in particular, but every everybody around the league. And we're not really seeing that with Melo. They seem to be more fond of him. He seems to already have been accepted and initiated into the NBA brotherhood. And it's it's just so good for the NBA that he's this good right away. That all of a sudden, they've added a team here in Charlotte, obviously a small market team, though, that is you want to turn them on every time they're playing. A couple of plays, a couple of moments in the game, it was the end of the first quarter with 1.8 on the clock, and they threw a full-court outlet to LaMelo on the baseline, and he turns and taps it to Caleb Martin, who hits a floater. And there's just little plays like that. On top of the flash and the sauce, and now the three-point making, there's these little veteran moves and plays that he does. That you're like, oh, wow, wow, this kid's 19, right? It's almost innate. It's, it's, it, I say innate, but it's not, right? You say nature versus nurture. I think it's from playing so much hoops. There's little micro skills that you learn from just hooping every day. Wake up before school, lunchtime, PE, after school, right? You, that, you, that type of hooper I know I was, right? There's these little micro like things that you learn that you can't get from skills and drills in a gym with a trainer. Mello has those. And then, late in the game, a moment happened. And I think it was the moment that this became LaMelo Ball's team. 4.30 to go. They're running Houston off the floor, and LaMelo throws a lob in transition to Bismack Biambo, and he hammers it. Look, you have to see it. I, I know I'm explaining it to you, but I'm sure it's in the highlight packages. Here, here's, the, here's the context. Bismack Biambo is one of the veterans on this team. African dude, always scowling. And I say it, African, dude, because the context is needed. You know, like a mean-looking African. You know, some, some Africans are always happy and smiling, and then some Africans, they just look mad, right? He, I don't know if he's Nigerian or where exactly he's from. He's a solid rim protector. He's a physical enforcer, right? He's kind of their enforcer. And I, I don't think I've ever seen Bismack Biambo smile in his life. I, I'm not saying I watch him all the time, but he's been in the league, what, seven, eight years? Probably more than that. He's smiling ear to ear after the lob and LaMelo pats him on the head and they walk off together just, just beaming. And that was the moment for me when I was like, yo, this is LaMelo's team now. Like, it's undeniable that that even, even B- he's got Biombo smiling ear to ear. He's so fun to play with. But then most importantly, the proof is in the pudding. Borrego can't keep him off the floor. Devontae Graham was out. I'm not sure why. I think it was something minor, but that allowed Lamelo to stay in the starting lineup. I got news for you. Lamelo's not leaving the starting lineup. Scary Terry, Devontae Graham, it don't matter who. One of y'all is getting bumped to the bench. And by the way, free Malik Monk. I think Malik Monk, if I was a team around the league, I would try to steal Malik Monk. Right? And I'm not saying you could. I'm just saying, you know, I think there is a logjam in that backcourt and I would be calling on Malik Monk to see what the the price would be because he's a walking bucket, and it looks like he's finally coming into his own. Houston put up a fight. Now, Christian Woods is out for several weeks. He had a bad ankle sprain about a week ago. John Wall was out for rest. So it was Oladipo, Boogie, and then a bunch of dudes that's hungry, right? They're not hungry. They're hungry, and they're just going to play harder than you. Right. Jason Tate, Sterling Brown, Nawaba. And so they're a physical crew and they can muck a game up and just very athletic and physical, not necessarily a ton of skill. And they hung. They hung for a while. They had they made probably more shots than they should have. Right. Um, Boogie, man, look, I'm rooting for Boogie. I'm rooting for him. But at this point, he's been reduced to really a spot up shooter with his limited mobility. And I think there's a place for him in the league, given you know the way teams like to play five out. Um, but that being said, you, you don't want him starting for you. I think he's playing too much for what his limitations are at this point. And then Oladipo is a very interesting thing. And I think I think we need to give both of those guys more time, coming off their injuries, to see where they can get to, right? But at this point, these are my assessments. And I think Oladipo, he looked pretty good athletically, man. I think he, I think moving forward for him, whether he's in Houston or not he might be better suited as a six man because he's slowly kind of fallen in love with having the ball a lot more than he initially did when he was in Orlando and OKC. Once he went to Indiana, he kind of became the, the on ball guy and you can tell he likes it. I don't know if he's so good on ball, like depending on your roster that you want him on ball, like with the starters is what I'm getting at. And so maybe I would, I would, you know, I think it remains dynamic, but maybe Eric Gordon, who didn't play in this one either, by the way, um, is the starter. And Oladipo is the sixth man. You let him come out with that second unit with all those, uh, those hungry dudes and let him cook and kind of have the ball. Because obviously with the first unit, you're not going to take the ball out of wall's hands. Right. So I don't know how well they fit together, but yeah, that was, that was a fun early one on NBA TV where LaMelo man, the coming out party continues and Charlotte, Charlotte's going to make the playoffs barring you know, barring they stay relatively healthy. The late game after that, it was a doubleheader. I had brought it up in last episode. I'm gonna try and keep y'all up on what to watch. But hey, sometimes there are hits and there's misses. Denver and Milwaukee. Interesting matchup because you only see it, you know, twice a year. And Jokic is coming off that 50 piece in a loss to Sacramento over the weekend. And, you know, Jamal Murray had been chipped up, so he's not at full strength. That needs to be acknowledged. But, you know, you watch the Joker. And you kind of get the sense, like, if he wanted to, he could probably lead the league in scoring. Like, if that was his prerogative, there's not a whole lot you can do with him, man. That little flip shot in the paint, the elbow where he pinned down that he hits, the three, everything in his own pace, and then he can just back you down, pivot, 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 turn over either shoulder. It's not really his mentality. I, I guess maybe the question would be, does he have the mental and physical endurance to go and scorch you that much, right? Like Giannis, like when you talk about Giannis, I think one of his most impressive traits is his mental and physical endurance. He doesn't stop coming at you and it becomes intimidating. You're like, yo, when is this dude gonna get tired? When is he gonna chill for a couple minutes, right? And he doesn't. That's overlooked. So I don't know if Jokic has that type of motor, especially given his physique. But I mean, he basically can score when he wants, right? And so they're in Denver, and the Nuggets come out and hang 42 on this Bucks defense in the first quarter, and then the well slowly but surely kind of ran dry as the game went on, and part of that was the Bucs ratcheting up their defense. <clears throat> now, Milwaukee was out was without Drew Holiday for COVID protocol. That's their top perimeter defender, but again, Murray was chipped up. Murray wasn't right. He was struggling, so they were going to Jokic offensively, and then you look at this Bucks team, and... De Vincenzo, I think, has quietly taken a nice little step forward here for them as a starter, where it's experience. I think he's had to kind of learn what his limitations are as an athlete in the NBA. and And that's not to say he's not a good athlete. He's a solid athlete, right? But I think for most of his life, he was probably like one of the best athletes on the floor. And now in the NBA, you're just another athlete. And so he had to figure that out. What was crazy, too, was I don't know who the announcer was. But he was trying to pronounce Giannis's name like it's probably supposed to be. And it was too funny. It was cracking me up. He was like, he was calling him Giannis and Giannis, Yanis. He was trying to be like a soccer announcer. so like, it's too late for all that, bro. Like, we've been calling him Giannis for like eight years. You can't, it's too late now. Um, but yeah, the Bucs ended up turning up the defense and kind of pulled away late. And you got the sense, again, no Drew Holiday, a chipped up Jamal Murray. But you got the sense, hypothetically, if these two teams were to somehow meet in the finals, it wouldn't go so well for Denver. Just stylistically, Milwaukee, it, it, it would make things difficult. They match up very well, personnel-wise, across the board. Now, something to keep an eye on for Denver is R.J. Hampton has cracked the rotation. Denver very sneakily has these, these, these picks in the first round where they're like super high-value picks, right? Michael Porter Jr. off the back surgery, RJ Hampton slips to them this year. I think it was via trade. Bowl, bowl, right? They, 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 they like to reach for the talent when they're drafting, right? They're not going off, uh, off. What can you do for me now? It's what could you possibly be? And so RJ Hampton started to play in place of Compasso. He's like five ten, man. He's feisty, but he's like five ten. RJ Hampton, obviously, much bigger gives them much more length and uh, athleticism. But Denver's, look, they've lost three straight after kind of riding the ship here. And to me, they feel like a team that is in, in the perfect position to cash in some of their depth for another star player. And you think about who's possibly out there. I think Bradley Beal is the first name that probably comes to everybody's minds. And I don't know. I don't, I don't have a necessarily have a bunch of you know, proposed trades for them. I just think they're in position. When you look around the league, you know, you could offer Porter Jr. You, um, what, they have all these guards and wings. They have so much depth. I think they need one more star. So let's keep our eye on Denver as the trade talks heat up. What else happened last night? The Warriors wasted another Steph performance. What do you have? Like six threes in San Antonio. And it was different, man. You know, you can look at the box score or you can go look at the highlights and you're like, "Damn, this dude was cooking." He was out there flexing. And the the Warriors actually jumped on the Spurs and then they started to fall apart. Turnovers was the story of the game. Now, Draymond Green, look, man, I don't care what the numbers say. I think he had like 10, 10 and 7. He almost had a triple-double. He if you watch the game, he had so many mistakes, man. And then he and then he ultimately really kind of cost them a big opportunity at the end. He had two just terrible turnovers when the Spurs were making their run in the second half where he was kicking it out to the weak side, and he just completely missed the weak side. He just threw it into the stands two times in a row. It's like, okay, man. Um, and then the Spurs were up three after a huge DeJounte Murray three, just a ridiculous. He he dropped steps, spin move stepped back in the corner and hit a three at the end of the clock. It was just a backbreaker with Wiggins draped all over him. Biggest shot of DeJounte Murray's young career, probably. Um, and he had a big game. <clears throat> what you saw with the Warriors and and Toscano and Damian Lee and the in these these backup uh role players for the Warriors, they couldn't match athleticism with with some of uh in size with some of the Spurs roster. The so San Antonio's up three after the big shot. There's eight seconds on the clock. And they inbound the ball to Draymond at half court. And you're like, all right, here comes the handoff to Steph. He's already hit six threes, right? Wrong. Draymond pumps the three from midcourt as he catches it, thinking San Antonio was going to reach in and foul him. They don't foul him. They grab the rebound and the game is over. And the kicker is Draymond, instead of just saying, you know, oh man, you know, I, uh, it was my bad. I thought, I thought they were going to foul him. Sorry. You know, he, he proceeds his, his I'm so smart talk. That was the that was the dumbest, smartest play ever, right? He always has to qualify and let everybody know how smart he is. Well, dude, you ain't that smart, bro. I, I've watched pretty much every game of your career. And what happens is your ego gets in the way of your intelligence. There's different types of intelligence. Yeah, you know what to do. No doubt. No doubt. Right? But your emotional IQ isn't that high. Right? That's the problem. And your pride and your ego gets in the way of what's in front of you. So humble yourself a little bit, perhaps, because we all have room to grow, Draymond. <laughs> Phoenix Suns continue to roll. They they rolled over a feisty Cavs team last night, and it was on the back of a 36-point performance from Devin Booker in the absence of Chris Paul. Now, if you've been watching Suns games, I think the, the impressive thing is it's been by committee, right? Cam Johnson, Mikel Bridges, campaign, Payne, uh, Aiton is rebounding very well, right? They have a collective, and they're they're one of the deeper teams in the league. But one of the things that that you notice is Booker isn't really playing well in the minutes he's sharing with Chris Paul. And what it kind of reminds me of is when Durant first came to the Warriors with Steph. Now, don't get it to us that I'm not comparing, it. like, I know Steph and Duran are on a tear up of these guys, but it's the same dynamic where that first couple months, it felt like Steph, instead of just doing his thing offensively, he was kind of concerned that KD was getting the ball and KD was involved and, and this and that, and I think there's a little bit of that with Booker, where Booker, with CP on the floor, isn't quite as aggressive or sure of what what he wants to do. He's kind of always out of the corner of his eye. What's CP doing? Should we do this? you wanna do that? Because Chris Paul, as we know, is so controlling and and, and vocal that it has Booker a little hesitant. And so that's not to say that they won't figure it out, but I think there's a little bit of that dynamic going on between those two. And that's what's so impressive really about the Suns is they're still having success and those two haven't even clicked yet. All right, I'm gonna wrap this thing up. What do we got tonight? I've got two games that I have my eye on. The first one, is the Knicks in the heat. Remember when that was a rivalry? Remember when that was like the most physical rivalry in basketball, Van Gundy on the, on the legs of people and shit? Was that, was that LJ he was grabbing? No, it was Zoe, right? He was on Zoe's leg. <laughs> um, but I think what the question is, is look, Miami, we know how, how, how much COVID and injury problems they have, but it feels like Miami has taken a, a step back, right? They're, they didn't take a step forward, that, that much is clear. And then obviously it feels like the Knicks have taken a step up maybe even two, right? And so I'm curious to see if these two teams are kind of in the same tier now at this point, where like that second tier in the East, that second, between second, you know, th- I'd say second tier. Um, so I'm interested to see if that rivalry can be rekindled and it should be a physical, and uh, I don't know, I'm not saying it'll be pretty, but I'm just curious to see who comes out on top in that one. And then the late game is the Sacramento Kings going for a fifth straight win against the team with the best record in the league in the Philadelphia 76ers. So a little litmus test for them and how hot are they really? Be back tomorrow with another episode of the HESI, basketballgods.net. I'm out, y'all.